So Sage Heart Nutrition, where, where does that name come from? What's the origin of that? The origin of that. Um, so when I was trying to, when I actually got my business set up, I was trying to find a name for my business that actually represented me, okay. represented a part of me, something that I didn't just want to choose some random health name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose Sage, um, kind of two parts. Sage, because uh, Sage for me is uh, a pretty important plant that I've had a, a really good relationship with for the last uh, few years. Cool. And, do, um, do you grow it on your property? Uh, I do now. Yeah. Um, but it's one that I did a lot of work with a few years back, and um, I did a lot of um, meditation with it and then a lot of healing work with it, and it's become almost like an ally to me. Okay. And um, it, it's a really special friend to me now. It's really helped me out in times when... You know, I work with some, you know, plant medicines where it feels like, you know, they're, they, they can be allies for you yeah, and they you can go. help you out in, you know, emotional ways and other ways. And because um, yeah, the whole sage smudge stick, right? That's part of yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a real helper, helper in that way. And, um, you know, it's 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 helped me, you know, with the boundary, um, develop my boundaries and reminders of that. And it's just become a friend. And so I felt like, OK, I'm going to use that and then the heart just because sage heart just felt right to me it felt like this yeah, is, that's this awesome. is what it's helped me with has helped me open my heart really yeah. oh wow that's yeah. nice that's <laughs> nice <laughs> so you were born in chile we were just sort of talking about this i was yeah, yeah. and you have five there's four other sisters that you have four sisters oh yeah. my god you poured your poor dad i know i know and we were waiting for a, a son to come along at some point and it just never happened and even the first grandchild was a girl oh and we god. thought oh you know this is <laughs> even our, genes, yeah. all our pets were were girls and uh but it wasn't until um my sister had a, a boy and that was the first grand grandson and yeah there was a lot of celebration in the household that's for sure <laughs> yeah my uncle has they have four girls and i remember one time he, yeah. they were all sitting around the table and he went army air force navy marines okay. <laughs> <laughs> he had their future plotted out yeah i don't know they say girls are diff- more difficult than boys because at a certain point boys we're just on our own we're yeah. sort of feral and, and uh, yeah was there a lot of infighting in the house and- oh a lot. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot of uh, discord, a lot yeah. of um, a lot of energy, oh, energy. in there the house when I was growing up. So I think for me, I developed, uh, you know, all my sisters are pretty outspoken and, you know, um, more outgoing. But mm-hmm. I think for me, because I was on the younger spectrum um, before my youngest was born and she came into the picture, I think I felt a little almost like overwhelmed by all the energy of all my sisters and all the drama that was happening in our family growing up. And so I think I kind of went the other way and I, I, I kind of retreated more internally. Cool. And, uh, I think I'm, I'm more of the introverted. What are you, what uh, do your older sisters do? Uh, one sister is a nurse. Uh, one of my sisters is a teacher and then some, uh, my other sister is in fashion or in design. Okay. So she's a she works in film in the film industry. Oh, cool! And then my other sister is actually a, a pretty pretty well known um, in her position. She's um, uh, works for the government and she works for PSAC. So that's the public service 
uh, Alliance in Canada. It's basically representing the union in Canada. So oh. she works for the government. Nice. Um, she lives out in Ottawa. So nurse and teacher, that's that's pretty close to what you do. There's, yeah. there's some commonality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Health and teaching. Yeah. That's but, but you, and you moved to Canada when you were pretty young, right? I was about three and a half. Okay. So you don't really remember Chile. And that was sort of no. after the sort of Pinochet was out of power already. Yeah. So. It had started, I think, in 1974, 73, yeah. when sort of that chaos broke out and um we left just because it, it was in a safe situation for our family we mm -hmm. were social we were socialists oh okay you know um and that wasn't a safe position to be um during that time when you know the the socialist government was um, right. assassinated and um, sure yeah that was a crazy crazy time yeah and now their their new president is He's really young, and he's a socialist guy, and they just had a new referendum on the constitutions. Apparently. And the people that was a little more liberal, that was way liberal, and the people said, nah, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're pretty happy. I mean, I don't know too much. I don't follow the politics there too much, but I know my family is really happy, and my family back in Chile um, are really, you know, happy that this guy is in because yeah. he's, he's, you know, somebody who they feel can make real changes that need to be made in the in the country and kind of bringing it back to its roots. You and know? it's kind of a peaceful country, really, right? In general, um, as far as I know, now it yeah. is. There's, I mean, there's a lot of. St there's always been the student movement. There has been always pretty, mm -hmm. um, pretty strong, and so there there have been, you know, some riots and um, protests and um, demonstrations for quite a while now, but it, it's it's really the younger population that's the ones that are kind of rising up now. And Yeah, well, almost yeah. across the world, you could say. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great. So, which know? I think is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you get to go back there? Do you ever, often? or? I went back once yeah? um, in my mid-20s. That's a and, long uh, flight, eh? It, I do not like flying, yeah. it, but I, I felt like you know, this was, you know, I went with my family and um, I went back and it was really an, a crazy experience because I had never really felt connected to Chile at all because right. I all I'd known is Canada. So I didn't expect to get so connected to that country. Oh, really? So something stirred in your heart? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I went there and I went basically, you know, my plan was to stay for a week with my family and then me and my oldest sister were going to go travel on our own together for the rest of the month mm -hmm. and uh and we got to see my family and um everybody recognized me even though they hadn't seen me since i was little and <laughs> i have so many aunts and uncles and cousins everywhere it was it was pretty phenomenal but just traveling throughout the country later it just felt like i didn't want to come home really? like i really it's felt beautiful like, there right yeah, yeah and i just felt a real bonding with that my country really that okay. I didn't expect and I felt really emotional about leaving like I felt like this is my country what am I doing I'm coming home to Canada and it doesn't feel like my home yeah yeah well so. Canada is like a big I mean people move here from all over the world I think they were saying there's more people from other countries than there are sort of native Canadians right yeah right. that's pretty amazing yeah yeah, I'm from the States, so for me, like all my friends, they still harass me a little bit. And yeah. <laughs> they say, I'm living the new American dream. I moved to Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we were just really grateful because when we, my dad applied for work, mm -hmm. um, we applied for amnesty basically. And, you know, and the only countries at that time that were taking Canadians uh, or they were taking Chileans in for um, basically for refuge were right. Australia and Canada. And so my dad applied for for visas in both places, and we got into Canada. So, uh, what's your, what does your dad do? 
uh, he's retired now, but he uh, was working for, uh, he was an engineer mm -hmm. working for McMobile Dell, which became uh, Warehouser. Okay. And then he retired, so he's happily living his life and golfing. And <laughs> and they're in that still in Vancouver. Yeah, he's living with my sister in uh, Surrey mm -hmm. uh, in the Lower Mainland, and my mom passed away about fifteen years ago now. Oh wow! So they're they're sharing a house together, him and my sister, and um, and then my other sisters are sort of all over the place. One's in Vernon, one's in Ottawa, one's in Vancouver. Oh wow! Um, so yeah. <laughs> you guys, you, would you consider yourself a close family, basically? Um, I would think, I think they see each other more than I don't see them very much. I see them once a year, pretty much just for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't feel, I mean, I feel like they're my family. I love my family, but, um, I don't really have that, you know, constant communication with them as they, they have with each other. So, yeah. That was yeah. something that kind of surprised me about my family in particular, that we all just kind of grew up in our own different ways. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I thought we'd get tighter, but it's okay. Yeah. People live their lives. Yeah. And, and everybody's got their own families and yeah. but we're still, we're still, um, we're still close for yeah. sure in that way. So, yeah. So growing up in Vancouver, it was, that must've been fun back in the day, so, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, it's, a, I, I moved there, I think, uh, 2005 mm -hmm. and the changes that have happened just in the 17 mm. years is just is overwhelming. So yeah, no. I mean, come there from a younger age, you must've seen a lot. We moved around a lot. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. We moved around a lot. So we moved, we different places in the lower mainland. We lived in Toronto for a little while and mm. Prince Rupert for a little while and okay. um, yeah so different places so I'm used to not really staying in one place too long so honestly being on Salt Spring here now for this is our going into our 11th year yeah I was gonna say it's pretty crazy <laughs> When you so you moved here, what would that be? 2012. 2012. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was before this place got crazy too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And where did you sort of come into? Were you always kind of a spiritually based, natural, per, naturopathic kind of person, uh, <laughs> as a person on a natural path? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've always I've always been empathic. I've always really been a sensitive. Like I I feel like I've, I've been a sensitive kid mm -hmm. growing up. Um, and, uh, so it's been, it's been a work in process to truly, you know, work on my boundaries and try and like not pick up other people's, oh, um, so like that emotions much. and things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've had that since I was a kid. So that's mm -hmm. always been work for me to do that. Um, you know, the spiritual aspect of it, I've always kind of got, kind of varied between being, um, atheist and agnostic and, um, not, I never grew up with any religious upbringing at all. My parents really made that decision early on, even though they were both brought up Roman Catholic mm -hmm. and that's something I really appreciate. They didn't, they decided to raise their children without, um, instilling anything on them. Um, because they felt like I'm going to let you decide what you want. That would have been nice. In. Yeah. When you're <laughs> older. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out for yourself. Figure it out for yourself. And so that's really, my path has been like trying to understand life. And I, you know, these are things I've been contemplating since I was really young. I remember mm. thinking, sitting there and talking to my dad about, you know, existential, <laughs> you know, ideas. And he was really into Nietzsche, I think that was the author, and Carl yeah. Jung. And so oh, we... like the Germans, yeah. Yeah, we were having all these really deep conversations from the time I was really young. And cool. so these are all things that um, I always joke to my friends that you know my bedtime stories were unlike of anybody else's they were like metamorphosis by herman Hess. this is what we got read when we were, when I, we were kids oh, wow. 
and being talked about, uh, you know, out-of-body experiences and life after death and all these kinds of topics that children don't usually yeah. contemplate. Yeah, I, I had this sort of same. I was I was drawn yeah. towards that stuff in a big time way. Mm -hmm. So when I was like maybe four, I, I was you know I read a lot, but by the time yeah. I was like fourteen and fifty, it was I was onto Herman Hess and yeah. and all this crazy stuff. And then people yeah. sort of congregate and they go, "Oh, you need to read this book." I would teachers that would give me, "Oh, you should read this. You should read this." Mm -hmm. You know. And then I was into like you know, crazy writers like Kurt Vonnegut. Oh and, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a big change for me. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I think because of that upbringing, I was brought up with a lot of culture, a lot of sort of these kinds of thoughts that it's it's made me always a questioner, like a questioner in life. And, yeah, was Vancouver kind of, um, I would consider it kind of yoga, either yogic, quasi-woo-woo. Um, there's, there's kind of a natural aspect to it i suppose but was it always like that was like where was the nam just the one place where <laughs> everything was centered well i think when we were there um i mean we lived in different parts of vancouver i lived in kitsilano and in commercial drive areas and it depends on what part you lived in i think mm -hmm. the kitsilano area was more and you know you got the old sort of um hippie old streets hippies, yeah. and um with the nom and uh, Banyan Books, and I, I did work even at Banyan Books for seven years. And <laughs> that's right. I remember kind of half seeing when I first saw you here on the island. I was like, you yeah. look familiar, and, and and your partner the same way. Yeah. And then you both had worked at Banyan. Both worked at Banyan. Yeah. yeah, that's where we met. <laughs> well, yeah, I lived right around the corner. For that. I would just go there. That was my yeah. place to just kind of hang out. Yeah, yeah. So from what I've heard about people who have been there for a long time is that it has changed. So mm. and, and every time we do go back which is every few years we go back and we think, wow, it's become, it's, it's losing something. It's losing its, it's, it was a magic quality to some parts of Vancouver that I felt like were, are just being lost. Like even commercial drive was a little, felt mm. a little more down to earth and it, that's really changed now, which is too bad. Yeah. And I've seen that in Salt Spring too. It's, it's, yeah. it's radically different than yeah. even just five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But so you said you're kind of an empath or you were an empath. It's interesting, you know, when uh, knowing what that is and, and mm. meeting people, it, I, I just sort of always uh, thought, OK, well, I'm gonna, this person's probably very introverted or whatever. But most mm. empaths that I meet, they're very outgoing. Mm. Is that or is just the ones that I've met? Is that sort of a typical thing or um, not in my case, I guess. <laughs> in my case, I think it's it's really it's been a challenge because it's been a challenge to understand and discern what's mine and what's other people's sure. and and so and also not taking on other people's it, got, it, it was really it's been really hard for me and I think that's what you know they they call the wounded healer mm -hmm. you know people right, who right. Uh, feel certain things and then they really just want to help others so I think I've always had that intuition to be a helper okay because of that because I felt so much suffering from other people that my instinct is like, I need to fix them. I need to help them. Mm. And so that's where um, at some point in my life, I felt like, okay, this is becoming unbalanced. I need to bring this back to me. I need to bring back my boundaries. And so this has been a constant work for me. To yeah, make. I can get out of control, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. Mm. So Because there's a difference between... What I've been learning is there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Like sympathy, you know, you feel sorry for somebody, you want to fix them, you mm -hmm. want to... And empathy is a little bit different in the sense that, you know, you can empathize, you can feel what other people are feeling, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're giving anything away. You're not... Or you don't feel you know, like taking the it on. strong desire to try and fix the situation right. or the person, yeah. Right. Hmm. So did yeah. you just like 
was that like a, a core part of your identity? You're like, I'm an empath. You'd meet, if they met you, and like, this is one of the first things you would say about yourself, kind of thing? Um, well, I've, I've definitely, uh, people have said that I'm, um, that I'm somebody who they feel really comfortable with and mm-hmm. sharing, like sharing their, maybe things that um, they haven't been able to share with others before. I get that a lot. Yeah, I've Well, you're the too. first person I talked that I've told this to. And so I think that in, in terms of the positive qualities of that, I think it's it's helped me to really um, have people around me feel safe mm-hmm. in sharing themselves with me because I, you know, that I'm not going to, I don't have any sort of preconceived motives. Yeah, and there's some responsibility around that too yeah. to, to just be kind. Yeah. I had that too, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself you know, particularly an, an empath per se, but I've mm-hmm. had people... Just walk across the room. Remember this one little lady at my grandma's uh, birthday party or 80th birthday or something. She walked across the room and she just was her friend. I'd seen her before. She goes, there's something about you. I I need to tell you this story. (laughs) And she told me this story about how she had cancer and it was inoperable. And she had this vision that this angel came in and took it out. And she went to the doctor again and it was gone. Wow. And she goes, I just needed to tell you that. And she walked away. I was like, okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So did that kind of, um, um, I just, just sort of looking on your on your website, you mm. know, you're talking about anxiety and depression. Did, mm. did that kind of come from that, or were there other sort of factors involved um, with that? Yeah, I think it came, that for me, you know, this is something I've been learning over the years and trying to understand, mm-hmm. this whole, the, you know, who I am and, you know, all, all these things that I come with <laughs> um, in, a, in a more discerning way. And trying to understand myself and, you know, why, you know, I was the way I was and why I struggled the way I did mm-hmm. um, or why I still struggle the way I do. Um, but I do feel that um, because I think I felt so much and when you feel a lot, it's sometimes really hard to hold it, mm-hmm. hold all that. And to what do I do with all that? It become it can become quite overwhelming when you're feeling so much from the world and people around you is hard to really hold yourself in a really strong place and so for me um I got to a place where I uh, yeah I think I did feel overwhelmed with so much happening that I think I made the decision to just stop Mm -hmm. shut it out and push people away and and you know from what I know now it's like well those kinds of emotions, those kinds of feelings don't just go anywhere. Yeah. They just don't just go you know away. Um they just go a little deeper into your body. So you would just push them and leave push them there. Push them in deep in there yeah. and then thinking that okay, I'm not just not going to look at that. I'm just not going to deal with that. And so I think what happens with that is almost like this volcano that's got all this energy building up yep. and it's going to burst and I think that's what what over time happened with me is that you know I'd get, you know, all of a sudden I started getting these huge mood swings and where I'd be really depressed one day and then the next day you know, be fine, and then back and forth, back and forth, and then the same thing with the anxiety. It was just like, you know, I'd feel like all this anxiety, and I wouldn't know mm-hmm. where it was coming from. But that's how it works, you know, when you're repressing so much. Yeah. You know, at certain points, those things kind of get out. <laughs> I did that too. Like yeah. I would, like I would have stressful situations or some fork yeah. in the road, like a relationship or end or something mm-hmm. really stressful. And I mean, I don't know how, why I decided this, but I made the, the, the same decision. You know, I'm just going to keep it down. Mm-hmm. And I figured 
if the thing that I need to work on will manifest itself further down the road and mm-hmm. I'll worry about it then. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a volcano. It was like, okay, it's like they, they all, yeah. all they're like all of these cast of characters, yeah. they just came rushing out at a certain point. It's like, exactly. oh, I have to deal with all of you at the same time. Exactly. And yeah. that's that's exactly what happened with me mm-hmm. is that I felt like, you know, the more that I repressed, the more it's like when things actually came out, they all came out at once. And there was this big explosion where I felt like, oh, this is not safe for me to let all this you know, mm. rage or anger or grief out because I felt like almost like I would explode. Yeah. So it, there's a fear around. There was a fear around my emotions. And so that in itself even kept, kept it in as well. But mm. all the work that I've been doing in these, you know, last decade or so has really, you know, slowly kind of unpeeling that onion, you know, moving stuff out. It's been... Um, it's been pretty amazing. So I look back at the person I used to be and I thought, wow, you know, even it's been a painful journey, but I would never go back. And and think about just your ability now when mm. you're working with people mm-hmm. to understand where they're coming from because exactly. you've been there. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I have no regrets for any of the, the quote unquote bad things that have happened to me because they've all been for a reason. and They've right. helped me be sort of more a more understanding and compassionate person. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, there's mm-hmm. certain things you want out of life and they mm-hmm. don't have you like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I it's your path, that. you know. I see that now. And it's, and it's hard <laughs> when you're in the middle of it to see that. You know, this is something that is, you know, growth and, you know, you're learning. It's really hard to have that ability to look, look at, look at your situation that way. Cause you know, yeah. when, when you're in it, when you're fully immersed in it, it, sometimes you just feel like I just want to get rid of this, yeah. you know, there's no way out. But now I'm looking back and I'm thinking, oh, kind of putting all those pieces in my life together and thinking, oh yeah, no, actually I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for all of that struggle that Absolutely. I had gone through internally. So yeah, and yeah. drugs and alcohol. Did you kind of throw no. those in the mix? Oh, because that no. that's a really great <laughs> no <laughs> little side road that that you can take. No, I think uh, for me personally, it, it did manifest into um, behaviors that I had that were really harmful for myself. Like I did um, uh, not treat myself very well for many many years. Um, I did develop uh eating disorders Mm. um for many years which really um was my way you know and i look back on that now and i understand it it's like that was my way of trying to empty myself of Mm. all the pain and that was inside of me literally literally and also trying to um there was some type of which i'm still i'm still not fully Actually, I'm not fully understanding just yet, but there was some um, level of trying to make myself um, as small as possible. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, you know, self, self-denial, you know, for many, many years where, you know, I really became unhealthy. And um, there was some fear around involved in the nurturing, nurturing of myself, nurturing of my body. Oh, you, you had some right? fear with that. Wow. There was fear around that. And I think that that is a big piece when you're talking about somebody who's really, you know, has these types of, you know, anorexic tendencies is that, you know, what's really happening there? You know, there's, there's some level of not feeling worthy of the nurturing and the nurturing comes in. I mean, that's our first form of love really is, is food, right? right? It's the mother's breast, it's the mother's milk. That's our first sense that we get when we come into the world of being nurtured. And, uh, 
that something it's almost like I was turning my back on that and just saying nope no I'm not having that mm -hmm. so there was some self-denial related to that I think that was happening um, and so what that was about I'm not fully sure yet well there's something about being human that we have self-defeating behavior right it's like inherent and it, right. it doesn't kind of doesn't matter who you are there's right. you always have to kind of uh, monitor that mm -hmm. and, and it can be overwhelming in any in a lot of cases and right. it can manifest yeah. in big ways or small ways mm -hmm. but yeah it's mm -hmm. a real thing there's a book called um, the war of art mm -hmm. and it's it's sort of like a self-help book for artists you know to get through creative blocks mm -hmm. but that was one of his big points this guy's thing is saying yeah. you got to look at that because everybody does it and right. it's and it's the one thing that's keeping you back yeah from your goals exactly exactly mm. and this is something I, I really I'm really finding coming out even with the clients that I'm working with now. Um, so I work with a lot of women, mm -hmm. and and there is a very common theme there that there's some level of inability to self nurture, you know, that is is pretty big, and I I really relate to that, and so I think this is why I'm this is what kind of clients draw are being drawn to me really in a yeah. sense you know you kind of draw those things that you know you know you can help people with and it's interesting that when you think of a woman and a mother mm -hmm. nurturing is just like you know it's an inherent thing that you just mm -hmm. do automatically but when it comes to yourself yeah not so much yeah yeah and what's going on there and what's the guilt around that mm. you know taking care of self and i always bring it back to okay well were you nurtured mm -hmm. were you taken care of as a child and and most times and not it's like no it wasn't they didn't feel nurtured they didn't feel taken care of yeah and know? then the mother-daughter dynamic that's an interesting thing too right i think i mean it doesn't get you don't hear about it as much as like father son but mm -hmm. i think it's it's even more powerful right right right, right exactly yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a really it's a it's a web, <laughs> you know, it's a web of all these things, all these different different things that could, you know, be part of that picture. But um, that's the overall theme that I've been seeing lately in 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 myself, but also, in you know, in people that I'm talking to and meeting a lot is that there's there's a lack, there's mm. a lack of something and, and there's a need to fill that with something, you know, and what what are they filling it with? They're filling it with things that m might not be um, the best for them, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, and even when we talk about self-defeating behavior mm -hmm. around diet, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's gigantic. You know, mm -hmm. it yeah. really you really have to make a major effort if you want to eat right. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. In some ways, but I think, you know, that for me is a lot of that is is education number one, mm -hmm. because I I do feel that. There's a lot of people out there who really don't know the real um, basic essentials of nutrition mm -hmm. and basic essentials of, you know, real food, you know, and, you know, I always I always think back on, you know, Michael Pollan, who's one of my favorite authors. Oh, right, right. And one of my favorite quotes of his is he says, you know, when he's asked what's his what's the best you know advice he can give. And he says, eat food. um, what did he say? Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And I think that sums it up for me. <laughs> I remember the first time yeah. we, we met at, at uh, the nutrition store there, and yeah. we were just kind of chatting about diet and talking about cheat days. Yeah. And I was expecting some type of, you know, diatribe from you no. <laughs> about all these things. And, yeah, and I was like, no, just eat, you know. And, eat real food. <laughs> yeah, eat real food. Yeah, that's a big one, right? Whole food, I guess you could say, and yeah. not too artificial. And That's the thing. And, you know, in our culture, 
we're brought up with processed foods. We're brought up, you know, you know, it's 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 rare I meet the person who's really has a real, um, you know, lifestyle of just whole food eating, like actually re- eating real food and not something out of a package and yeah. find because that's convenience food. That's something, especially with our busy lifestyles, we've got we're we've been born into this culture of that, and so we've forgotten what that's like, which is why. You know, many years ago, they had that slow food movement, mm-hmm. and which I love that, and um, really bringing back people to the basics. So really, it is basics, but it's something we've forgotten, so it does feel like work. But really, when we, it's, it's, there's a disconnection there that I think is the big thing. Yeah. You know, when we're disconnected from our food and we're disconnected from the source of our food, um, that's when we can become obsessive or, you know, kind of off- we're just going off course of what it really means to have good nutrition. When I moved to Salt Spring, I was expecting that it would just be the tofu capital of the world Mm. and sort of meeting some of the quote unquote hippie, you know, sort of people here. Mm -hmm. They're eating lamb and stuff like that. It's like, well, no, because it's fresh and it's on the right on the farm there. Yeah. It's amazing the amount of of meat eating that goes on here. I was surprised because I, when I moved here, I was still vegan Mm -hmm. and I was vegan for about 25 years. And so I came here thinking, because I didn't know too much about this island before I came. It was oh, literally really? just a decision after camping here for a weekend. That at, was that you went down to Ruckel, right? Something at Ruckel like Park. Yeah. And we just thought, yeah, you know, let's move here. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of a sudden, you know, spontaneous decision to come here. And we didn't know what we would find. But we had heard, yeah, you know, this is what we had heard. This is Hippieville. Right. This is, you know, really down-to-earth people. And um <laughs> You know, this is uh, so I kind of was coming here expecting, oh, there's going to be a lot of vegetarian places and um, health food stores and everything. And I was really surprised that, you know, this was more of a there's a lot of farmers here. Yeah. And that sort of makes sense. They're not just farming apples and plants, but they're also raising sheep and raising animals. And so I was that that was one thing that kind of surprised me was the lack of, um, I guess, vegetarian you know, which I thought would be more of a, a, I guess, a vegetarian dynamic here, which is not really. Yeah, it's, it's the same as anywhere else, I would say. Right. Or, or on the West Coast, let's right. just say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And no, I mean, over time, I've, you know, I'm not vegetarian anymore, but I've, I've developed an appreciation for that because, you know, if anything, you know, farm raised, having your own garden is, is the way to go, especially in the world. That's what's happening in the world right now. You know, this yeah. is, this is, uh, this is really what people need to get back to. I think my my parents they didn't uh, they weren't trying to raise a vegetarian, but the the meat that they would feed me, mm. like uh, cube steak. Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's a piece of steak, but it, it has netting in the middle. It literally literally has netting in the middle of it. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it's from. What part of the animal it's from? <laughs> uh, kidney stew. Just oh, like I... whole kidneys, liver and onions, whole livers. I was made to eat cow tongue when I was oh, a kid. Oh, I couldn't that. <laughs> you can't even chew through that. Yeah, um, they didn't. My dad ate pig's feet because oh. he was so I'd, like he was yeah. one generation old world. And then yeah. the worst was what they called city chicken. And I look at that. This doesn't look like chicken. Oh and my gosh. I'm pretty sure it was like pigeon or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was gross. And then they'd have like these wax yellow beans from a can oh my god oh it was just brutal but that was yeah. sort of the time like everyone yeah. wanted oh everything's in a can it's great yeah da, 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 da. no i felt pretty lucky because my mom 
my mom was a great cook. I mean, she did oh, not really? like to cook, mm-hmm. but it was always, you know, home cooked meals, always family dinners, empanadas. You know, yeah, every, every all the time, well, every once in a while, okay. you know, special occasions for Christmas okay. and Thanksgiving. Yeah, but uh... you know, she was always, always about, you know, always, always had to have a salad, you know, with our dinner. Always the right. salad was a big thing. But yeah. that's where I feel really lucky that you know I wasn't, I didn't. I didn't grow up in that sort of environment of like real packaged foods when well, we had them every once in a while. Yeah. But. It's interesting how just some little things can stick with you. You mm. know, my friend once told me, he goes, uh, have a little green with every meal. Yeah. And and I think of that every time I think of my friend, every time I sit down to any meal, I'm like, yeah. have a little green. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I still do. Even if it's like a little bunch of sprouts. Yep. Just a little thing. doesn't matter what then it is. I just need something raw, something, yeah, something green. <laughs> <laughs> My partner makes fun of me because I always put like lettuce and stuff or, you know, salad or sprouts on top of my hot food. But I'm like, I need to have that. It's just not a complete meal without that. Well, the, <laughs> the, the Nam was like that. They put sprouts and, and shaved uh, carrots on top of everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah like you'd order yeah. French toast and they would have it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I miss the Nam, although I certainly don't miss their, uh, you'd order something and be like, is this, yeah, 10 coming? Hours later? Is this coming today? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, we could use a restaurant like that here. Oh, it would be amazing. For sure. Yeah. Or even yeah. like, I don't know, we don't have a good tie. I mean, we have the, the one takeout place, but mm-hmm. like a really nice sit down place. Exactly. Yeah, we yeah. could order a bunch of it different stuff. It's definitely lacking. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So th- there must have been a point then where you kind of like um, thought, well, I should, you wanted to sort of. And kind of teach certain things, or you you had some type of you must have some type of moment where you kind of saw a different path for yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was sort of going back and forth between different interests uh, for many many years. So mm-hmm. I know when I graduated from high school, my my family was my parents especially were really adamant about me going to college, and sure. I just didn't have an interest of going to college. I thought, you know, I spent 12 years in school. What I want to go to school? I just want to <laughs> go like travel me. the world. Yeah, right. And, uh, but they were really pushy about it, as parents are. Mm-hmm. And so I finally relented after about a year, and I said, okay, fine, I'll go to school. And I went to school for something that, that was the only thing I really enjoyed, which was fine arts. So I did a... Uh, about a year in fine arts, like painting, drawing, which oh, I really cool. liked. Yeah. <clears throat> and I ended up dropping out because I got really involved in the anti-war movement. And that was uh, during the first Iraq war. Sure. And I felt pretty emotional about that whole movement. And I felt really drawn and called to join it. And so I felt like, you know, how can I be coming to school every day and drawing and painting when this world's falling apart. Yeah. And I dropped out of school for that and I went and I went to Vancouver and I basically spent the whole year uh, in protest <laughs> when well. I met some people and um, and that was that was part of, you know, my education too and becoming the person I am, but that well, was radical. Uh, the yeah, radical I, I empath. was really <laughs> There you go, a new book. <laughs> But I was really always involved in, you know, movements. You know, mm. I was really um, an activist in a lot of ways. And um, because, you know, I think I've always been that person. I've been, you know, quiet upon myself, but also very passionate about what I feel and what I believe. And so if I really feel called 
to support and to join something, then I will. Do you, do you think, do you still believe that revolution can kind of change the world? I, I hope so. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I mean, I see when it happens, I get, you know, when it happens in certain parts of the world, I mean, there's the, always the chaos and the violence that can come along with it. But I feel that when that happens, this is, you know, necessary because this yeah. is change. It's basically a big <clears throat> calling out that change is needed. Something's not working. It's almost like things get so out of balance, it just naturally kind People of People have to rise to up surface. and they say enough and they say no. And um, no, that's coming again soon. I yeah, think, yeah. Sure. And for me, it's actually that it is, is really inspiring mm -hmm. to me because, you know, we can be in a place where we've been, you know, government has suppressed us, you know, the people for so long and then when you actually see the people actually rising up and speaking out mm -hmm. that I, I that always inspires me and I think yeah. you know this is this is how change is made you know? there's a documentary filmmaker at BBC does these super long like six-part things Adam Curtis hmm. and um, you know and he's talking about just sort of the history of the 20th century mostly and just the way things have gone and um, systems of power and control and revolution right and and they're really great things to watch because they're like they're really flashy and collagey and mm. montage and all things you've never heard a lot of things that you've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. But I was after I've watched them all like a, a bunch of times, I, I realized he was saying two things. One is that a, a system that tries to control its populace in in modern times mm. will not succeed, mm -hmm. and any attempt at revolution, uh, as as um, you know, as, as high minded as it may be and the good intentions, it won't work. Mm. So that was it. That was his thesis. I'm like, oh, man, that's a bummer. <laughs> so what are we supposed to do? So I guess yeah. if things get too out of hand, yeah. you have to revolutionize. But it's almost like if you can live in a society that has, isn't too overbearing on its people. Right. Like you think of Salt Spring, right? We mm -hmm. don't really have a government per se. Right. Right. We have all these different agencies that kind of control mm -hmm. housing and, and, and water management and stuff like that. But we don't have sort of people dictating mm -hmm. like a political agenda mm -hmm. uh, on here. Mm -hmm. And we get along just fine, right? Mm -hmm. Everything works. Mm -hmm. And I, I've lived in sort of unincorporated uh, communities and towns before. Mm -hmm. It's the only way to go. Mm -hmm. you, you really don't need that sort of extra layer of bureaucracy mm -hmm. saying, oh, this is what we, this is what this city believes about whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's human nature. The more that you try and control. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the human, back. we're still, we're, we're, you know, at some point we're going to be like, we're going to, you know, our instinct, mm -hmm. our instinct, and we're still, you know, biologically, um, animals. Yeah. So that there's there, I think that that's in, that's in everybody, you know, you can't suppress somebody too long and until they, until they kind of <laughs> fight back. <laughs> and you wouldn't think, well, you, you wouldn't think you, you're a Canadian, I would, mm. I would you know, label you that if I had to, but you wouldn't think that a Canadian would say that. Yeah. <laughs> like most people think that all oh, Canadians are very nice, they're very polite. But when when I came up here and started seeing the type of people that I met, very radical. Yeah. Yeah, underneath, but they kind of keep it a too little too polite hidden. sometimes. I think. Yeah. Too polite. Let's just say yeah. we get mad, saying we're not polite, we're passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's definitely. I've not I've not been that in my life, which I'm actually really uh, proud of myself for passive aggressive for not being um, for speaking out when I need to speak out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, that was an early part of my life. And then, you know, I was kind of going back and forth and really just wanted to be a free spirit, didn't want to really settle with anything. And then um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't until I really started, you know, my psychological and my emotional issues really started getting the worst of me. 
before I, I started doing, you know, looking into, you know, my own healing work of right. that. And so that's when I, you know, uh, started experimenting with meditation and meditation classes. So that led me on a big path of meeting teachers along the way. Um, and then actually discovering this ability that I had in myself of being able to sense energy and mm. sense, um, you know, other people's energies and, oh, I can actually do something with this. It, it doesn't actually just have to be, you know, this ongoing empathic quality of being able to feel people's uh, things without um, doing anything with it. I actually use it as a tool to help people. Cool. And, and that's what led me to some teachers. And then I actually got into... Um, uh, sh shamanism mm -hmm. and uh, in the you know Caro tradition which is you know the South American tradition in Peru met up with some teachers and actually went to um, uh, stayed with a couple teachers for quite a few years and traveled to Peru and studied under some medicine people up there and okay this is a this is an excellent place to yeah. stop, stop for this episode okay yeah okay <laughs> we'll pick it up in episode sounds two. good yeah <laughs> thanks so much you're welcome <laughs>